Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas-owned, Arkansas-operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and tight. you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Welcome into a Fast Break Friday edition of the Morning Rush. We are going to talk some basketball, but you heard Dan Enos and Brandon Allen mic'd up back in 2015. Dan Enos officially announced yesterday as Arkansas's new offensive coordinator. Got a picture of him and Pittman in Pittman's office that they also posted yesterday. What do you like? What do you dislike? I've gotten a bunch of different feedback on this. Could have done better, could have done worse. What do you think this morning? We'll start there here again on a pseudo fast break slash football Friday. It's brought to you by QC Kinetics. Tommy Craft here to tell you more about QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine. Their unique protocols take the healing agents from your body to heal that joint pain. So if you've started the new year with back, hip, shoulder, knees, any of those things that are bothering you, QC Kinetics has a unique way of of healing your joint pain and making you feel better and using everything from your body to do that. This is the future of joint pain management and uh, will make you feel a lot better. Appointments are available for next week. Call 479-999-1234. That's 999-1234 for QC Kinetics right here in Northwest Arkansas. Got Arkansas basketball tomorrow at 11 o'clock against Ole Miss. I've got my coffee. It's going to hopefully be a a good weekend. This is a Chuck Barrett weekend. Game's done early. His work's (laughs) done. He can relax after about 2 or 3 o'clock and... Then he can he can have the rest of the weekend to himself to watch some good football games as well. My goodness gracious, Burrow, Allen, Mahomes back playing. You got an NFC duel between the Giants and the Eagles. I mean, this is going to be and then of course the Dallas Cowboys prime time Sunday night. I had forgotten that they lost to the Niners last year in the playoffs. Completely forgot about that at home as the winner of the NFC East last year and. Niners come in as a wild card team and beat them. So there's there's a revenge factor as well, going to Levi Stadium and taking down uh, old San Fran and Brock Purdy. And it's not just about Brock Purdy. It's more about Kyle Shanahan, who's an outstanding coach, an outstanding coach. Well, we'll see if the stage is too big for Purdy. Um, we'll see if the stage is too big for Dak Prescott even. But but uh, that's going to be interesting to see how this plays out i'm i'm still interested or find it intriguing uh on the bet saracen app what is it four i think the line is still somewhere around four i looked this morning but uh cowboys getting four points you would think with with kind of everything but that, that tells you the the value of micah parsons that tells you the value of the defense but um you would think of all the lines that one might be a a point or two higher than four it's the lowest 
point total of any of the game this week in the National Football League. And that, that includes, I Hoping thought... Hoping to come down to a field goal. Yeah, I thought that even the Bills and Bengals might be like a, a two or three point spread, but uh, the Bengals are, I think five point underdogs yeah. in that one so it's going to be it's going to be a fun match five and a half point underdogs in that one it's going to be a fun weekend i can't wait divisional i, I maintain that the divisional round weekend is the best in the national football league playoffs wise not to say that we haven't had some great afc nfc championship games over the years i think back to that mahomes brady battle and arrowhead 37 31 in ot mahomes didn't get that chance in ot until they changed the rule um, because of Brady just took him down, scored that touchdown. So there have been some great AFC, NFC championship games, but for my money, this is the weekend that the National Football League is on full display, and you're going to have some great games. Well, I, I still prefer the following weekend, the, the two championship games. That's just one great day of football. So, But, um, but you're right. It's, it's a fun weekend. You get four good games. I think generally conference championship weekend never – it's just rarely if ever fails you. Seems like it's always – two good quality games there so looking forward to it. and when the super bowl a trip to the super bowl is on the line and you're playing at home fields it's it's not as you know, sterile as a, a super bowl environment it's not always you know hyped and and Jeff, because oh it's, it's horrible it's corporate yeah, it's yeah. corporate it's corporate uh-huh. is everybody's got the corporate seats there so i i really enjoy the following weekend but this one this one's good too is next weekend corporate if bills and yeah, Chiefs make point. it. I, I was thinking about that. How is the NFL? You asked the question. I didn't know the answer. I don't know how they distribute them. Yeah. How they're going to. That should be a, and they won't do this, but you've got to give those to fans. I, I mean, think they're on Craigslist. I think they just put them on Craigslist, and it's kind of first come, first serve. It's kind of like looking for a roommate on the uh, on the bulletin board. You just g- grab a tab there. Yeah. Well, I don't know how they do it. I would, I would like to think that both franchises that get in, it, I, who is it? I, I heard Bruskin and Zach or someone, maybe a halftime guys, talking about one of the one of the teams is already selling tickets and they ain't even gotten in the game yet. That's dangerous. Can't, yeah, that's a dangerous they were talking game. about the motivation fight. I don't remember who it was, but the point is, clearly the teams are selling tickets. So yeah. I, I mean, I think that's what you got to do, right? You got the the four teams involved. If the if the possibility is they would have to go to Atlanta, you let them, you let them all pre-sell, and that way fans can at least, I mean, buy a non, maybe you can buy a refundable airplane ticket, you know, for a lot of them, you, you can't drive that, so, Atlanta's accessible from anywhere, yeah. so, I, that's what, if I was a fan of the Chiefs, I'd have me a refundable Southwest flight, or, or maybe not Southwest, someone, to get me from Kansas City to Atlanta the day before Probably the game. Del- Delta, if I had to guess. I don't know about Delta either, but, uh, anyway, point being, you gotta make plans. You just can't wait till Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. or evening to make your plans. Yeah, it's also cracking up. Yesterday, I didn't know this was a Dan Eno's term, but Clay brought this up. Juicy throw, juicy. Apparently, he says that a lot after a big play. Juicy play, juicy throw. You heard it in the open this morning. Him talking with Brandon Allen. Austin, Austin Allen is there too, and then him joking with Jonathan Williams. But uh, he needs to find that quick rapport with his new starting quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. They need to get some synergy. They need to get synced up. And I don't know how long that takes. For so, You know, some guys and gals you meet, like your best friend, like you probably just had it instantaneously. Like my best friend, like when we were in college, sophomore year, just after that, it was a wagon. Like we were just good after that. Now some it takes longer, but for a quarterback-OC combo, you've got to hopefully, and especially with, they're only going to have what what is perceived to be a couple months together before the s- spring and the, the season. 
you kind of got to get that thing in turbo drive, Tommy. That's the first person you need to recruit. <laughs> you don't need to worry. I don't, you don't need to recruit the 24s or the 25s. Uh, the first person Dan Enos needs to recruit is old number one that's on your roster. So that, that'd be the that'd be where I'd start. And uh, I'm I'm sure they've already. I bet they had conversations before we knew this. The dust had even mm-hmm. settled on this thing. But we got a story on our website, hitthatline.com, dot com. That you know you know maybe Pittman had gotten to the point in this thing that Bryles was asked to leave or pushed out or however you want to frame it. You, th- you think that's the way this went down when he came back the second time or? Uh, do you think maybe Pittman in his mind came to the conclusion that I might be just as just as well off or better off with Enos? I mean, I think that's a that's what we want to go to as fans. We want the comfort of the thought that you're better off. But well, there's some things about what Bryles accomplished here with what he had to work with that's going to be hard to replace. You can only go to the well so many times, right? Mm-hmm. So if that was if that happened after state, and then in the midst of what was going on with TCU, then it was just Sam was like, all right, time to cut ties. Kendall go to Fort Worth. I don't think I'd go as far as I saw some post saying he was fired. I don't think that's accurate either. No. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Apparently, I'm dealing with it now. It's tough. I think it's the coffee I started drinking. At 47, I still don't have to get up in the middle of the night. I do drink a lot of water because I heard it's good for you. So maybe that's the reason why. (laughs) Maybe maybe too good for you. Apparently so. Fast Break Friday brought to you by QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine. Uh, Their unique protocols use the healing agents from your own body to target aching joints. Now, that is one thing that will happen to you as you get older. Chuck will tell you, you everything starts to hurt and you get all these old injuries. And, uh, you know, normally they're for athletes. You may not have to worry about it as much. You're uh, looking at one right now. Hips, joints, knees, back, all that stuff hurts. And they can uh, fix it without any drugs, no surgery, no downtime with QC Kinetics. 479-999-1234. That's nine 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 one two three four for QC Kinetics. Would have been amazed how many scouts would come to a JV basketball game. <laughs> when I was playing back in the day. Chuck, good morning, man. Eleven o'clock tomorrow. Your favorite time to get a basketball game in? Yeah, early game. I mean, it's kind of weird. You don't have a lot of eleven o'clock basketball games. I mean, you have some in football, but not that many basketball. Well, so that'll be a little strange. Why is it we we gripe and complain from the hilltops for an eleven o'clock football game? The fan base does, but eleven a.m. basketball game no one says a word i don't know I mean, that's a good question tailgate. Well, because they want to tailgate yeah because they want to tailgate yeah. you answered your own question i we i do know a handful of razorback fans that tailgate for every razorback basketball game in lot 44 but uh props to them but there's not a lot of fans that do that outside of football but chuck on this game tomorrow it's a winnable game 
Ole Miss has only got one conference win this season. They got it this week on the road in Columbia, so props to Kermit David and Davis and company for doing that. Uh, You had some things that went your way on Wednesday night. You shot the ball really well from the free throw line. You had some offensive output from some guys that you didn't necessarily expect. Devo hit three threes for the first time in his career. What's the key to kind of keeping the offensive side without the turnovers heading into tomorrow? Well, I think you just said it, without the turnovers, and that's a big part of it, and I thought offensively they were better, not great, but better. The thing that I thought they did Wednesday night that they'd not done at uh, Vanderbilt particularly was was compete. I, I, I thought they were a much more competitive team. I thought they were a smarter team, played with more composure. It's different at home. I, I would expect them to be good tomorrow. Yep. And you've got three straight home games now, and you need to go win. What was the mood like with on the plane? What 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 was the team's response to losing in in the fashion they did? You were there. Well, nobody's happy. I mean, nobody's happy. I'm not going to sit here and say for one single moment that you know people were walking away, you know, thinking, "Well, we're better." I don't think it was like. In fact, I can tell you firsthand, it was not like that at all. I mean, it was a um, good. Uh, they were. Um, there's there there's not any moral victories in this group. That's that's what I want to hear. But, but I think you can make the case there was improvement in the loss. And on the TV, uh, SEC Now on TV after the game broadcast ended, Damian Fishback was making that point that, hey, even though Arkansas lost tonight in a kind of tough fashion, the way it went down, you know, he, he noticed quick improvement in this team. And I think when you, when you breathe a little bit and you step back from it, there's some things you could take away from the other. Oh, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. No, no question about it. But – you know, at the end of the night, you didn't win, and you're nope. one in five, and that's yep. where you are, and you got to start winning games. And the good part about that is, is they don't have to go on the road for a while for a conference game. So, you know, you got three straight at home, and it's time to get well. Yeah, yeah. Got twelve games left. We were kind of doing some of the math yesterday to get to nine and nine. I mean, it's pretty easy. You got to win eight of twelve, and you start looking at the home. You you just can't. You cannot surrender another home game. Period. You're well, if your goal nine, is to, that's, that's I it. mean, if your goal is to get back to nine and nine, you need to win your home games. There's no doubt because I mean, you've still got, you know, you've got a home and home left with A and M. You got a home and home left with Kentucky. You've still got to go to Tuscaloosa. You've still got to go to Knoxville. There's an awful lot out there, and you know, again, I mean, when you get a game like uh, the one they've got tomorrow, uh, that's a game you you know you need to win. You need to go out and win. Any team that's playing at home on Saturday. If you look around the league over the years, teams generally play their best at home on Saturday. And I would I would expect Arkansas to play well tomorrow. I know fans are itching to get back inside of Bud Walton Arena as well. Let's go to Lake Fayetteville right outside of it. Shady Grove here. JR, you're on the morning rush, man. Go ahead. Morning, guys. How y'all doing? JR. Hey, listen, did you guys watch the women's game last night? Did you I did. Catch yeah, I did. I watched it. Uh I'd like to bring attention to something that took place in that game. Uh, there's a girl on LSU, and they, they ESPN showcased her as uh, maybe a player of the year. But she hammered one of our girls going to the basket and stood over and mouthed something. She got teed up for it. And what was just jaw-dropping, which, you know, LSU's going to be ranking right up there with Texas A&M in my book. But the crowd just roared with thunderous applause. She raised her hands up, you know, didn't phase her one bit. Her coach went over and took up for the ref, wondering why she got the technical. Uh, you know, 
I don't understand college athletics is going down the road with all this all about me. It's all about me. All this, you know, NIL deals, all the stuff that goes on. Um, it, it's crazy to grow up with coaches like Lou Holtz and Eddie Sutton. And if, if one of his players would have done something like that, they would sit on the bench for a while, you know. She uh, she stayed in. Uh, like I said, she was she was taunting the crowd, raising her hands, didn't affect her one bit. The other thing I would like to bring up, is there any repercussions? Uh, the SEC office come out and said, you know, we messed up on the call the other night. What, ha- what happens? I mean, if that's just an admittance of, of wrongdoing, is there any repercussions? Do they get do they get fined? Do they get suspended from calling the game? What, what's the what's the action that's taking place during that? Because that game the other night, <clears throat> I mean, I know that's the one they're going to point out and say this is the one we messed up on. But there were, you know, and I know you guys talked about it because I ain't had time to listen to you guys. But over the last part of that game, were just some really really bad calls that were just you know, uh, you know. No, no, no foul or anything like that. So anyway, just thought I'd bring that up. Thank you, so, Jr. So a couple uh, yeah. points on that. Uh, you brought up Eddie Sutton, and uh, we appreciate your call this morning, Jr. So with that and the Eddie Sutton thing, Joe Klein told a great story on this program, and Chuck, you probably heard this that the fact that he comes back from the Olympics playing with Michael and a couple other guys. Yeah. And he's he's like, I'm a hot shot. I'm this, I'm that. And he's like, all right. Or Coach Sun's like, all right, all right, that's fine. Charge drill. Klein, get ready. And he took, he had to take like 50 charges in practice or something like that. Couldn't do that. He said it's 25 from the left side of the lane, 25 yeah, from the right side of the lane. It was a great story yeah. from Joe Klein. And then, like, today you mentioned that. I got sent a video of these third-grade AAU guys kids that were talking trash doing like all like and what you saw that too and i'm thinking to myself kid in the green jersey yeah Yeah, and i'm thinking to myself this is why i didn't even know what a curse word was in third grade (laughs) and then we got this going on it's just a they're on the the spelling test now yeah (laughs) it's different times man and i i don't know if they're going back i'm gonna tell you as we get older we 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 all hearken back to back in my day chuck it's just I, you know, I heard my dad say it. I'm sure he heard his dad say it. I'm sure you've, you know, we, we all, and the older I get, the more I want to say things like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've been taunting one another for a long time. It's gotten more severe lately. I mean, in our society, and it's not just in sports. I mean, it seems like everybody's goal every day is to own something, you know, own somebody else, own the other side. I think standing over people is just a product of that. It's like I own you. Um, you know, I, I, I don't like it. I wish teams wouldn't do it, but I also know that, you know, they're supposed to tee them up, and they did tee them up last night, and there is a penalty for it, theoretically, when you do that, and I don't I don't care for it. Now, let me say this. I watched that game, and I'll talk about something a little bit different in terms of that game last night. I thought it was a great ball game to watch, and I thought Arkansas competed hard. LSU... He's 18-0 going into that game, ranked number three in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, caller mentioned A&M. Shockingly, I think A&M's like 0-7 this year in women's basketball. But um, I thought Arkansas competed. I thought they played hard. Um, you know, LSU's really good, and they went down there to Baton Rouge and had the lead late. And I thought they played really, really well. 
I'm not sure the SEC, and, and I'm an outside observer. I'm by no means an expert on this. I've been told by people that do keep up with women's basketball closely that the SEC is a little bit down this year, that it's not perhaps as strong as it's been in some other years. It doesn't mean like South Carolina is still not head and shoulders above everybody else, but the league may not be quite as strong. I don't know if that's true or not. I've not watched enough to know, frankly. But, man, I know Arkansas really competed hard. It was a good game. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you like basketball, it's a good game to watch. And if I remember correctly, they got beat pretty good in Bud Walton. So for them to come back and, and challenge LSU like they did last night in Baton Rouge says something about Mike Neighbors and his team for well, showing a little resolve. It's still a loss. I mean, it's still mm-hmm. a loss. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like anything else. But, you know... They went down there and competed hard, played well. I don't, I don't remember, uh, and to JR's point last day, I, I don't remember who told me this, but it's a great point. My generation, the generation behind me, is more is more interested in being famous than doing something to make you famous. Well, maybe and, so. But now, let me say this, guys. If Lou Holtz and Eddie Sutton were coaching today, they'd be doing the very same thing all the other coaches are doing. They've been doing everything they could with that NIL to bring players in. You think Nick Saban's not spending NIL money? You think these old school guys out? You think Tom Izzo's not spending NIL money in basketball in Michigan State? Of course they are. Yeah. You adapt or die. And that's what, uh, that's what they're doing. So times have changed, and we're all products of our time, whether we want to admit it or not. And, but if Eddie Sutton and Lou Holtz were coaching today, um, they'd be doing just like well, they'd be doing just like everybody else is. The litmus test on everything a coach does, whether it's hamburger or cheeseburger, whether it's fries or onion rings, is all filtered through what's the recruit going to think. I mean, it just seems like every move, all regardless of sport, everything runs through the what's the recruit going to think filter. I mean, just. How they well, it's always the been that way. Yeah, but it's I mean, always been that way. We just see it. Well, it's more, more now, public now. It becomes now. more pronounced. It's There's more no public doubt. because of social media. Well, you're so, right. And, right. And, and because of video being everywhere, every word you say is recorded and kept for all time. So, uh, as a head coach, as a public figure like that, so they have to, I guess, be more on guard now than ever before. Can't, can't disagree with you on that. You want to tee off, tee off on this thing now, or you want to wait? I want to talk about that. I was going to wait till about seven twenty to talk about that replay deal, but um, give a quick feedback. Well, on I mean, it. it's just inexcusable. You miss a rule. I mean, we we can all agree or disagree on judgment. Yeah, yeah we, we, we need can, to we, be clear on that. You know, this was not they missed the call. No, they, they said they, it wasn't reviewable, they, and it was. Well, and I want to. You know, I was going to wait till about seven twenty. Uh, we can, we can come back to it, but um, any official. I mean, I work in gyms. These guys work at arenas. Yeah. I mean. I work small college basketball, I, and, and most of the games I work, many of them don't even have replay. But particularly if you are the replay official sitting in the command center, Rule 10, when, or I mean Rule 11, all of the replay stuff at the back of the rule book, Rule 11, you should know that in the middle of the night. If Greg Sankey woke you up and said, hey, what's reviewable in the last two minutes, which is most everything. Uh, but particularly put in a couple of years ago was the arc. And if a player's foot is in or out, on or above, is clearly in the rule. How the replay official, as it was described, tells a veteran referee like Tony Green, hey, that's not reviewable. And then how Tony Green doesn't say, now, wait a minute, let's talk about this. That is reviewable. We are inside the last two minutes. There's 43 seconds. 
I, I've not been in the replay center. I don't know who, who sits there. I don't know who's responsible for that. But that's inexcusable because this is not judgment. This is not whether or not you thought the defender slid over on an airborne shooter and it should have been a block instead of a charge. This is a rule that was missed. Okay, so I, I think to JR's question, is there a suspension coming for the replay guy? That, that's what he was asking. <laughs> We're always interested in somebody getting fired. Well, he didn't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, he, I don't know the answer okay. to that. I would imagine that this is just my guess. Do I know this? No. But I would imagine that replay official is going to see some kind of... Um, Dock and pay or something? Well, probably a missed assignment. I mean, these guys get paid by the game. They're not, get- they're not paid... You know, by the call, they're not paid. They're not on an annual salary. They're paid. I thought they were paid by the whistle the other day. <laughs> well, you know, maybe if so, they made a lot of money. But you know, the teams need to quit fouling too. But, You're right. Uh, I mean, You're that, right. That game I'm was, just joking. No, I, no, no. But, but I would imagine whoever that replay official is is probably going to miss an assignment. I don't know if the on floor officials will or won't. But uh, the, the things like that we never hear about. If an assignment's I'll- pulled, you don't know it. Only the coordinator and that official know it. Maybe some people on staff that were going to be in that game. Let me say this. Anyone that officiates a game that lasts two hours and 36 minutes, you know, I think they're all uh, – I, I just thought they – you know, there's just no way a game should last that long. There, well, there's just no way. But Fallon. Well, but Tommy, I mean, why does a replay take as long as it takes? Well, clearly you had someone in the replay center that didn't have wasn't on their A game that night. But, well, but a you're lot, right. A lot and, of times we want to blame the refs on that when you're waiting on the TV people to get the angles back to the DV Sport Box or the in-house because the way this works is DV Sport handles this. Chuck, you sit next to it. You see it firsthand. The in-house angles from the cameras like we see on the video boards and the TV uh, angles are all fed into one system. And sometimes you got to go through, and, and you got to wait on those angles to make the to make the judgment. Or you're waiting on someone back at the replay center who may be looking at a call on another game. I mean, there's just a lot of things going on with the replays. Well, I got an idea. Let's make the right call. Let's Absolutely. make the right call. Absolutely. Where we don't have to like every time there's a close call. Eh, I don't know what you see. Well, I don't know what you see. Well, let's go over here to the replay. I mean, make the call. Yeah, I will say this about that arc play, the RA play at the end of the game. There's a lot of feet and a lot of bodies all converging in that one spot. And separating all of that out in real time in the blink of an eye is not as easy as you might think it would be. And I'm telling you, it took some time for when they put that in, even at the level I work, to adjust to that and, and get your eyes in the right place and work from the feet up and understand all of that. So that's not an easy play, and that's why... In the last two minutes, they allow that to be reviewed because it's such a big call. And if that call would have been uh, correctly adjudicated the other night, it probably is the difference in the ball game. And that's why there is such a strong discussion amongst coordinators down to the officials that, hey, you've got to be perfect in the last four minutes because there's not enough possessions to overcome a mistake of that nature. And that's exactly what we saw the other night. So for everyone out there that always says I defend every action they make, I hope you were listening. Tommy, Tommy just got in trouble with the uh, the NDA he signed to not criticize officials. No, I mean, I, you know, everyone says I defend defend uh, them when they're wrong. I, they were wrong and they missed a rule the other night and missing a rule, and it happens to it happens. But this is a replay rule that shouldn't that is basic. This is not a down in the weeds, find it in the case book rule. I think RA plays in the last two minutes are reviewable. 
just like sh- shot clock situations are reviewable. There's a mm-hmm. there's a, an open book. When you get to the last two minutes of a game, a coach can then call timeout during live ball. There's a lot of things that trigger in that last two minutes. Well, I think that the reason you're passionate and fiery about this is because it makes officials look bad, even though they weren't necessarily the, the ones that screwed it up, well, per se. Not that they shouldn't. There's always the... The back end, the, the fail safe, Listen, and Tony Green as a veteran should have been the fail safe. It's like, no, this is reviewable. Like, if everybody had the level of accountability they want to put on officials in their job, they wouldn't they wouldn't last a day. You know, and that's that's the thing. Nobody would want me to come to the bank and hold you as accountable as you want to hold referees or yell and scream at you at every move of your pen at work or your keyboard at yeah, work. Yeah, but that comes with the territory. But that, nobody the, nobody yeah. makes you do that. Nope. Nobody makes you do that. How much are they making, though? Aren't they? These, making? The, well, SEC, the Power 5 officials make between 3500 and 4000 okay. a game. And there, there is no reason you should not. And now, they have to pay all their expenses out of that. They, I mean, that, that's not like they're just putting four grand in their pocket. Yeah. I mean, they've got to fly somewhere. They've got to stay in a hotel. They've got to rent a car. I mean, it's not all, that's not net. But that's. But it's a, it's a good chunk of change. How, you got to be there for, I'm guessing, an hour or two before the game. Two hours. So, I mean, how many, how many. Per hour, how much are they making per hour? Like five hundred an hour. Well, this is not just about how. I mean, this is not just about how much time they spend at the arena. There's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've you've put in your time by the time you get to Mm -hmm. the arena. The one thing that I will say about SEC officials, and I'm not the first one to say this, we know too many of their names. I think a lot of these guys uh, believe they are part of the show, and I see that a lot. And um, you know, um, they are part of the game, but they're not part of the show. Yep. Joey Crawford is a former, and then who's, and Teddy, why am I? Teddy Ed Valentine. Valentine. The fact that, listen. But those demo- are two of the greatest to ever do it at their level. But they're demonstrative. They're over the top. They, as Chuck said, try to make it about them. They've got a call, and they want to make well, sure that but here's, all eyes but, are on them when they do the different whatever things. But you know why we know do. those guys? Because they were so good, they always worked the biggest games. Nobody's uh, knocking their ability. Right. I, uh, no one's knocking their ability. I think sometimes, and I'm going to speak generally here, I think officials, because they're human beings and because they're testosterone-driven guys, <laughs> I think their egos get a little too big out there sometimes. Well, here's I what see I, that a lot. I'm going to make one last point about the other night. Maybe we can come back to this. If you go back and you watch that, only two of the three officials were involved in that replay. Chuck, I don't know if you remember this, but Owen Short was not involved in that replay. And I believe, and I hadn't talked to Owen, but I believe if he would have been involved that in that decision on the R.A., maybe the, the brakes would have got pumped a little bit. Um, that, 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 to me... Should well, not Tony have Green's a Hall of Fame ref. He's worked like five Final Fours. Yeah, I mean, like he's that. a Hall of Fame three ref. National championship. Game. It was just a total breakdown. Absolutely. Now, now look, I'm not one of those people who feels like you just ought to lament this stuff for days because you got to turn the page and move on. And um, you know, the caller originally said what happens, and Tommy, you know better than anyone. But there's going to be some punishment that we won't find out yep. about, and it'll have to do with assignments and ultimately how much money you put in your pocket. Yep. Um, maybe but, they don't you, work the conference tournament a game or so. two. You know, but but when you start losing a game or two at four thousand a game, that that would get my attention. I mean, you know, well, I, that, that, too that, many of these guys and Tommy, you know better than I do, and I may be wrong, but my impression is a lot of these guys are more worried about how they're being graded 
and whether or not they're actually doing what's within the best interest of that game they're officiating. Now, I can be wrong about that, but that's just my impression. Well, I mean, the the job is to call the game by the rule book. I mean, that's 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 the national standard they've tried to implement to to standardize officiating coast to coast. Well, and the rule book's what you come back to. And too many of us don't like. Well, that, but that that wasn't. We think that was a block or a charge. We think. You know, the problem is us as fans and observers, most of us don't know the insides of the rule book. These guys are supposed to know the rule book in and out, and I believe they do. There was just a breakdown the other night that uh, should not have happened. Well, now let me ask you this. If, if, you know, perhaps when they go through all this stuff, you know, I would like them to make some kind of public announcement a mm-hmm. la the NBA. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of at a loss to how all this this idea that that's not reviewable was allowed to pass. Yeah. Surely there's somebody in one of those two huddles that knew that. Um, I would be interested to know exactly what the verbal explanation on the floor was as opposed to what the explanation was in that release. Let me tell you, if I was Sam Pittman or Isaac Eric Musselman or any other coach, I would have someone on my staff with an officiating background that knew the current rule book that, that kept up. Backwards because if you had a guy behind the bench the other night that said they could could get word to coach quickly about that, that's where you can you, you can pump the brakes yourself and say, wait a minute, we're inside the last two minutes. That's a restricted area play. That is reviewable. And you could demand an explanation, and maybe you could uh, uh, fix that. That's where the value of that would be so important to a, to a staff. Can't disagree with that. It's football playoff and bowl season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings with 64-inch TVs everywhere, cold beer, delicious burgers, and you-know wings. Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch all the playoff and bowl games. So bring the game and join us this playoff and bowl season at our Conway, Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, and Fort Smith locations. Buffalo Wild Wings, your home for the big games. Roar! Chuck Barrett here. I know a thing or two about making great calls in Arkansas. And when it comes to your home service needs, make the call to Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. The friendly pros at Pascal have been serving Arkansas for more than 50 years. And as the weather changes, make sure your system is ready with a Pascal protection plan. Call the pros at Pascal and get a seasonal tune-up, discounted services, and priority scheduling. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned. Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Next Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light Next is for the next era of beer drinkers with zero carbs and only 80 calories. All right, so Dan Enos officially announced as the offensive coordinator for the Arkansas football team yesterday. Guys, in y'all's opinion, what is the biggest attribute he's going to bring back to this program and to K.J. Jefferson and Sam Pittman? Here's what I hope he does. What I hope he does is takes KJ's passing ability to the next level. We've seen him do that with other quarterbacks. And Jalen Hurts, he made him a better pocket passer. I think being a mechanic of the quarterback position might be the number one thing you notice most. I mean, I think Kendall's done a great job with with KJ, but I think there's there's got to be a next level Chuck in the in the way he uh, efficiently passes the football. I think I think Dan Enos might could elevate his passing game, which will make everything in that offense better. Well, I hope so. I mean, hope he's able to do that. KJ's going to have a lot to do with that. Sure. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, one guy comes in and, you know, suddenly makes a guy great in every area, but they'll have a good working relationship. And 
um, you know, what the most important thing he brings is, you know, I think a lot of it with KJ and all quarterbacks at that age is reading and, you know, your reads and understanding of offense. And Dan Enos is very good at that. Kendall Bryles is very good at that. So, um, I think they'll have a good working relationship. I I don't, I don't, you know, Dan Enos is a good coach. It's not the first time he's gone in with a new quarterback and I'm sure he will and has, and will continue to study everything that, you know, every move KJ makes. And so he'll have ideas just like any new coach would have. I think the intangible he brings to the table tie is a level of comfort with a head coach. Clearly this was who Sam Pittman wanted. I think there is a, a comfort level in just putting him in that job and you don't feel like you got to look over his shoulder or supervise or be involved as the head coach. I would imagine there is a, hey, I've got a pro in this spot. I can let him do his job. That, that might be the intangible he brings because of his experience that, that gets overlooked. Now, I think Austin and Brandon would be apt to call change. And Brandon's in the midst of preparing for a playoff game this weekend, so he might have to wait a little bit till the Mingles lose. But talking to KJ about some of the things that Coach Enos is going to do, and in addition to that, you got also Jalen Hurts, Talia and Tua Tungabailoa. Now, it might be a little harder to get a hold of those guys, but if I was K.J. Jefferson, I would be trying to reach out to them as well. Talia just played in her Dan last year, and then you look at Tua and Jalen in Alabama, I would be reaching out to those guys if you can get a hold of them Maybe. at some point. Maybe. I mean, I mean K.J.'s his own man. He's going to do his thing, And um, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, you can kind of figure out, get a scouting report on your coach, but uh, K.J.'s going to do his thing. All those guys are better, though, than KJ. Why not learn from someone? That's like you not reaching out to a, a better GM or me not me reaching out to the millions of other radio hosts that are better than me out there. It's always – you're never at any point in life where you can't learn something. And for those guys, especially the success they've had early on in their NFL careers, there's no sense of not at least trying to contact them based yeah. on the fact that they played under Enos. Maybe so. I mean, uh, I, I hear what you say. You, you, there's some merit to what you're saying. I, I don't know that even KJ could just get Jalen Hurts on the phone, though. Might be a little more difficult <laughs> so, after this run that they've yeah. had with the Eagles this year. All right, that's your Red River Dodge Morning Rush Daily Question. Red River Dodge in Heber Springs, Arkansas's number one Ram dealer. Log on at RedRiverDodge.com. This hour of Chuck Barrett on the Morning Rush is presented by Baxter Health. Compassionate care beyond measure. Uh, you want to you tee off on the SEC office now? Have you saved your energy? Oh, well, we can go this? back to that. We talked about it a little while ago, but I think there's meat on that bone. So, the floor's yours. Well, I mean, it's your job. You set, set the I, thing I, I up. Did, I did. Go ahead. The SEC put out right. that. <laughs> the the <laughs> audience doesn't know what you're talking about. Okay, Set the, it up. Oh, I'm <laughs> setting you <laughs> up. God almighty. You came in this morning. I haven't seen this passion in years about how frustrated and angry you were about them screwing this up. All right. Well, the moment passed. Yeah. I mean, we had the segment, yeah. and it was good. So yesterday, for those that may not know, uh, the SEC – I mean, you assume everyone's on Twitter and knows this stuff, I, Ty. I, Don't throw I, your I papers you, in the air. I let you have this. Just just go. I, right. I'm setting you up to talk about it. Figure you just take it and run. All right. You usually do. We'll have we'll have a we'll have a, Jeez, a hosting lesson golly. after the show. All right. The SEC office comes out yesterday. And they say that the the call with 43 seconds to go in the ball game, where Debo Davis goes in, he's called for a player control, but it was reviewed because the Missouri defender's feet were on the on the restricted area line was mishandled. And we we talked about this yesterday. That was not the rule. And boy, and, and I kept thinking 
the thought didn't cross my mind that they messed the rule up. I thought they must have had some angle that we weren't presented on TV that showed different because there's no way, based on what we saw on TV, that player's feet are not on or above the restricted area line. Well, they came out yesterday, and somehow in the replay center, they told the on-court officials through the headphones that that's not a reviewable play, which is totally incorrect by rule. Any official that's worked any NCAA basketball and has studied the replay rule, which instant replay has its own rule in the rule book. We got a rule book sitting over here I've left in the in the in the studio. Inside the last two minutes, not not for the first thirty-eight minutes of the game, but once we get to the final two minutes, that is a play that is so and the reason it's in that book is because as we saw night before last, it is a large uh, deciding factor in the outcome in the last two minutes of the game of that play is incorrectly officiated. And what we saw the other night was it was incorrectly called on the floor, replays there to fix it, and somehow the replay official back in the, the command center told a veteran official in Tony Green, hey, that's not reviewable. That is 1,000% incorrect. And I I still, it, it, it blows me away that that could even happen a, that the replay officials whose job is to know inside and out the replay rule, I don't. there had to be a level of confusion or misunderstanding, looking at not understanding the time in the game, but then how the, the veteran official, Tony Green, would say, now wait a minute, we're inside the last two minutes, this is a restricted area play, how does, this is reviewable, let's talk about this a second and get everybody on the same page here. Somehow you come away with the wrong decision. Devo wouldn't have fouled out, he'd have went to the free throw line, perhaps it changes the outcome of the game. They just messed it up all the way around. They did. Ty, what you don't know is is that that rule book over there, you're going to have to memorize, and uh, that's mm. going to become part of your uh, job requirement from this point How forward. How thick is you it? you got to memorize that book. I do want to – I had a uh, New Year's resolution. Oh, that's small. Well, this this is just the rule book. There's a case book over there and a mechanics manual as well. Um, I just, you got to read them all, Ty. This is my you got to read them all. This is the 20 – 21. This is a year off. I brought my old ones in here, but um, there are a few changes. But yeah, is you there are spark notes. I, I was rule 11. Note guy rule 11. No, you got to know them all. Okay. Rule 11 is instant replay. And um, that's where the breakdown came. Because here's what happened. And it's not that many pages when you look at this one, two, three, four, four and a half pages in rule 11. Inside the last two minutes, Things like restricted area, shot clock on made or missed shot inside the last two minutes. Coaches can call time. There's a lot of things that get triggered in the last two minutes that become available to replay. And Chuck loves it when they go to replay and take their time, especially. But inside the last two minutes is where there is a lot more um, flexibility in the rules and allowance by rule, I should say, to look at plays like we saw the other night. So that's what is frustrating is this was not a judgment call that, hey, I think that was a block and you think it's a charge and they called this and I don't like that. and it, it, This is not a judgment situation, Chuck. This is a rule. And um, that, that's, that's the frustrating thing. Well, you know, one of the frustrating things, too, is I don't know how many people in the arena on press row, I say press row, the row there where all the, uh, uh, the broadcasters and such are, the bench areas, I don't know that they knew the explanation. I didn't no. know it. I didn't watch the television broadcast. Did they say anything on TV about not a reviewable call? I don't. But, but no, I don't they, recall. I, you know, I don't recall not. hearing you anybody they were say about staying that. Staying with the call, yeah. best I remember. Now, let me ask you this: If one of the officials had come over and said, "Hey, that that, that RA play is not reviewable by rule," would would you have said, "Now wait a minute, 
We're inside no, the last two minutes. No, and that's, no, that's no. The, but the people paid to know that failed. So, is it is it bad in taste to just have the rule book over there or have it in the SEC Would you office? know where to go? Well, you, you want to get teed up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start showing that rule book to them out there on the floor. We'll see if you get teed up or not. Here's what I, and I said this when we were talking about this last hour. If I'm an Eric Musselman or a Sam Pittman's shoes, I, I've got someone on my staff that does know those things. And it's their job to to voice that to me as the head coach in that moment. But I think there's real value in a coach. And, and some football coaches have placed somebody in the booth at times that has headset access to, to help them figure out when mm-hmm. to challenge and when not to challenge. I think there's real value at any level, high school, college, pro, wherever. Coaches should have somebody on that staff that knows situations and knows rules, maybe even has an officiating background, I think would bring real value. Because, well, I don't know what you'd pay someone or, or add that to someone's duties, but the other night it may have made the difference yeah. in the ball well, game if Eric Musselman would have had someone that, that knew that information. But, Tommy, you know that on a basketball floor, the idea that it's quiet and everybody hears what everybody says and everyone gets the same explanation and the guy at the end of the bench knows as much as the guy you know down there at the other end, it's not that way on the basketball floor. I hear what you're saying. But I think it would probably end up being something that you did after the fact. It, it in in real time, uh, as noisy as it is down there with all the things that are going on. I hear what you're saying. Theoretically, I think you know you might be onto something there. But it's awfully hard to have all that stuff communicated in real time on a basketball. My God, they got forty-seven people sitting on the bench. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I hear. But 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 Tommy, again, you're 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 operating under the assumption that everybody on the bench has the same access to the information that the head coach does. They do not. Some of this, though, if you pay attention, and and again, you know what's going on in the game. It was clear what they were doing the other night. They were reviewing a restricted area play. There's no doubt about that, but, but you know, how many of us knew until the next day that what they actually based their decision on was whether or not it was a reviewable play? If it's not a reviewable play, what they spend all their time over there for? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they were also going back to look at a play on a previous trip, too. That it, or that's the way TV led you to believe. Yeah, the D... Um, well... I have no problem with them spending as much time as they need in the last two minutes to get a critical call right. I just think there are sometimes during the game they go to it when it's it, it disrupts the flow of the game. It's too much emphasis is put on being right, being one hundred percent right. Well, and, well, but you Tommy, be in the at, last four minutes, you have to be at the eighteen-minute mark. At the eighteen-minute mark, that's not the most important thing. Agreed. But inside at the two minutes, it is. Mark, but I it's, don't it, disagree it with that. I, that's, it, it, that's I agree what, That's you. why I said yeah. inside two minutes, take as long as, it, 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 as you need. I'd say but four. But let's not compound all this replay stuff by spending four minutes looking at a call at the 18-minute mark. I, I agree with you. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, that's what's instructed of the officials. You get more grace and more time as the game's in the balance at the end. I would say the last four minutes, Chuck, not the last two. But inside that last media timeout, there's not enough possessions to overcome a mistake like this. 43 seconds to go. You have a, a call. There's not enough possessions for Arkansas to overcome that. 
I'm not disagreeing with that. Now, I think one of the things that needs to be changed, the lead official, when they finally make a call on replay, he acts like he's carrying a top-secret box, <laughs> like he's the most important man in America. Yeah. And only an entitled few are entitled to know what he knows. That's why I say when I, when I watch this, I see egos take over. I see egos of officials who've ref the final four who feel like they are at that moment the most important man in the building. Um, and I do believe that a lack of communication has a lot to do with some of the problems that go on at the end. Are you telling me that Tony Green and the replay guy in Birmingham are the only people who should be discussing this? Of course not. And, and the other people are just not privy to that information. And I'm so sick of watching lead officials at the end of a replay session acting like they're carrying a top-secret box. I mean, come on, guys. Well, generally, one of the other officials will go communicate with the TV crew. I would, I would like to see moving closer to what the NBA does, and there's some kind of microphone. public address. Yeah, microphones. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think... But if I think if it had been... If the information had been disseminated the other night that, hey, we're, we can't look at this play because it's not reviewable, I would like to think that someone would raise their hand and say, no, wait a minute. That's my point. Yeah. But we, I, I, I'm like, I mean, you were on press row. You know what was communicated at the press table and what's not. And um, from the TV standpoint, it was never said that I remember or remember hearing. Neil didn't say it. You're that, right. hey, that play wasn't reviewed. I just assumed. I, I always assume they get the rule right and that they had some angle or they didn't feel that the angles we were shown was conclusive on the hill being on or above the, the restricted area line. Because every angle we saw at home, Chuck, and I don't know how much replay you have there doing none, the game. None. It looked obvious. Would you say it looked obvious his hill was on or above based on the angles presented? Based well, on and, we and it, yeah. the point is, is that during that entire delay, we all assumed that they were trying to determine where the foot was. That's what we assumed. And I'll go back to what I said a minute ago. If it's not revealable, why'd you spend five minutes over there? Um, what were you looking at? You yep. know, what were you trying to determine? If it's not reviewable, mm -hmm. I mean, we watch football games all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, first thing they say, not reviewable. You know, my, we're not even going to look at it. My frustration is you go back to a replay center with someone who should know the replay rule better than, I mean, the on-court officials know it too but that's that, that's the frustrating part how does a veteran official and the replay center maybe you say well that's the replay guy i just assume you know I, that that's the part that just doesn't set well with me the replay official should know there's 43 seconds in the game we're inside the last two minutes bells go off that hey we communicate as crews in the small college games i work hey inside the last two minutes remember we can do this this and this um that that's a common routine communication there was some kind of breakdown the other night in that. SEC, Greg Sankey gave that replay official a raise because he screwed over Arkansas. And you know that how. You can't tell me otherwise. So I'll, I'll F, how do you say F-O-I-A. Yeah, yeah. Because the SEC, of course, is a <laughs> private institution and I don't have a, a way to do that. That's not even right either. Let's talk to yeah, David in South say. Arkansas. <laughs> There's about three things that are wrong there. David, go ahead, man. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Excellent discussion. Really enjoying it. Just two quick questions, and then I'll get off. Can an official on the floor run over to another official and say, hey, no, that was blocking, not charging. Who can override who? And also, what about 
professional full-time officials would that come into play in any way thanks guys yeah thanks so when you're going to see that change is when the restricted area is involved and generally the lead official the one on the baseline will make that block charge play on plays in the paint the only time you're going to see it on the floor changed is when one of the outside officials and generally it's the center official comes over and says feet were on the line or not on the line and they changed the call one way or the other that's that's the only time as far as full time not all but a lot of these guys this is all they do you know they particularly from october till march refereeing is all they do some have insurance agencies and private businesses and um, you know one official they got in the crosshairs a few years ago with a kentucky fan base he had a home improvement signing business i mean these guys generally um, have other jobs uh, or own companies uh, but a lot of them I think Matt in this time of the year they have that flexibility because they own their companies run their companies what they're they're traveling three or four days a week usually yeah i think matt jones got sued for that not our yeah. matt jones the kentucky sports radio db matt yeah. jones so good questions david yeah uh we're, we're gonna talk some dan enos coming up because i know we've got some calls and text on that yeah. hey let's talk about uh let's talk about health for just a moment maybe watching that game you know made you question your health on uh tuesday or wednesday night if you live in north central arkansas Here's the fortunate part. You don't have to leave home to have great health care. Baxter Regional Medical Center is now Baxter Health. And this is a magnet-recognized facility. This is, uh, And this is the best thing about it, is you've got an opportunity to, to have the best medical care right in your own backyard, regardless of your age, regardless of your condition. And I'll tell you what else they do, and, I, and, and, and this is really important now. You, you've got clinics, you've got family clinics, you've got physical therapy clinics, and you've got them in 11 counties in Arkansas and Missouri. So they really are right in your own backyard. Baxter Health believes compassionate care beyond measures. They're they feel like, you know, when you are in their facility, it should feel like home because that's what's going to help you heal. And that's their objective at Baxter Health. Now, you can log on to BaxterHealth.org for more information. Baxter Health, compassionate care beyond measure. Ryan is in Hot Springs this morning. Ryan, you've got some thoughts on Dan Enos is hiring again. Hey guys, good morning. Uh, also, too, I wanted after I get done with my Dan Eno's comments, I wanted to uh, I wanted to tell, uh, talk to uh, Tommy too about comment he made about the re- uh, refing and stuff uh, the first time he was talking about it. But anyway, um, I want I want to say this: I'm excited about Dan. Um, one of them, and it's crazy that one of our most exciting games was a loss, the uh, 2015 Mississippi State game. That's a game that has always stuck with me. I mean, the the passing that we we saw in that game was absolutely incredible. I mean, and who's going to forget fourth and twenty-five? Um, but I just think about those kind. You know, hearing that he was going to be our uh, OC kind of brought, brought, brought back those memories. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, honestly, if, if we was going to bring back one one old OC, he'd probably be the one I'd want to bring back. Um, but I, I'm pretty excited. I, I do I do agree with y'all. I think he's going to help uh, KJ. I don't know about tremendously, but I do think he can for sure help polish some things up. Um. Uh, Tommy, you said uh, the last segment or the last hour, whenever you was talking about the referee, and sometimes we get on you about it. Well, part of that though is sometimes we understand that you're correct, <laughs> but at the same time, like we just won't be mad for a little while. Yeah. I'll give you an example. In 2020, whenever uh, Monday morning after the Auburn game, you know we're we're still. I mean, it's Monday morning. We're, it's, it, it sucks. It's Monday morning, and then we're also still getting over the Auburn loss, and you're st- steadily defending the refs and. 
you're, you were correct to do so, and they, they, and you did enlighten us. And I, I do want to give you credit for that. You, you do, uh, you are very good uh, for helping us understand the way things work. And I want you to know I do appreciate that too. Like, I, that, that really does help a lot. Well, but thank you. sometimes, man, we just we just need to be mad a little while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, stop using That's logic it. and truth, Tom. Truth, okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I just want people to know what. And thanks, Ryan, for the call. I, you know, I don't. Def- everybody say you defend this. You know, I'm being critical here for two straight hours. You know, because you're not going to believe anything I say otherwise. I mean, I'm just trying to tell you what the truth is from from my chair. I remember how angry I was. That's the angriest I've ever been on a show following that Auburn lost. Well, that was just a mistake. I mean, here's the problem I've got. Fans come from the perspective this was done on purpose. If it's done on purpose, then it's not a mistake. Yeah. And I, you know, there are mistakes. Mm -hmm. There are going to be things that are wrong. Um, They made a mistake the other night. I don't believe for one second this was done intentionally. And that's where fans, that's where I get, you know, you, you, you lose credibility with me when you think it was done on purpose. Just, Nothing that happened the other night involving this was done on purpose. Ryan just brought up the Mississippi State game, just like Brett made that mistake for letting Cole Headland kick a field goal when B.A. could not be stopped. Mm-hmm. Seven touchdowns. Yeah. Kick for tack with ba- Dak Prescott that night. And they decided instead to settle for a field goal, which got blocked. At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Hour number three of the Morning Rush on a Fast Break Friday. Let's talk about Dan Enos here coming up. You heard him and Brandon Allen talking back when they were mic'd up in 2015. He's your new offensive coordinator. He's the guy that's trying to get K.J. Jefferson to new heights, and we'll discuss here in this hour. Fast Break Friday brought to you by QC Kinetics. You don't have to go through another year of joint pain or arthritis that's really keeping you away from the things you love or all the things you love to do in your downtime. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader. In advanced regenerative medicine, their unique protocols use the healing agents from your own body to target the aching joints and repair and restore that damaged tissue. You can get moving again with no surgery, no drugs, no downtime. This is really the future of joint pain management, and they have appointments available as soon as next week. 479-999-1234 is their number. That's 999-1234. Make 2023 the year you say goodbye to joint pain with QC Kinetics. So 2015, 
you had the second best offense in terms of statistics that you've ever had, only behind the 2010 Ryan Mallett, Nile Davis squad. I mean, they were averaging 36 points a game. They were balanced. You think about Alex Collins. Brandon Allen has his best career as a Razorback. His QBR was off the chart that season. Now, 2016 was good. 2017, not so much. Guys, so we expect a... A crazy good offense this year and just year one with K- with KJ being what he is as a veteran quarterback in this league? Well, I don't know how you describe crazy good or how you define crazy good, but I think they'll be okay. I mean, Dan Enos knows what he's doing. I mean, they know how to move the football, and he's got a track record of putting points on the board. I think sometimes we overlook and forget and didn't realize then how good Brandon Allen really is, and that has a lot to do with your success on offense is how good you are there. Look, K.J. and Brandon Allen and Austin Allen are all different quarterbacks. They're different type players. The quarterback position's changed since 2015. and um, But, you know, everything he's done is multiple. Um, he had two, his little brother in Maryland, who started at Alabama, and um, you know, he's he's not a prototypical drop-back quarterback. He's a different quarterback than what Brandon and Austin were. Um, so the position's changed, and I'm sure he's adapted with that, and he'll coach K.J. You know, and K.J.'s not Brandon, and K.J.'s not, uh, you know, Tungalavoa. And so, you know, he um, he's going to coach what he's got. He's got a good one, and I'm sure he's excited about working with him. You know, you're right about his, his adapting, and everybody has had to adapt. He was a big play-action, motion-shift guy when he was at Arkansas, but the game changed. And I, I don't know what the conversation, none of us know what the conversations were like between Sam Pittman and Dan Enos, but what would be the number one reason you'd be very interested in this job? It would be K.J. Jefferson. you got a, gr- a good quarterback. Offensive coordinator is going to look at that roster and who I have to coach and what kind of success can I have right away? I would think KJ was a big part of the selling of this job uh, to Dan Enos when Pittman and him had that conversation. Maybe so. I'm sure on the short term or in the short term it did. I think the biggest thing here, though, is they're philosophically aligned. They're familiar with one another. Uh, the head coach believes in Dan Enos. And obviously, if Dan did not believe in Sam Pittman, he wouldn't have taken this job. So. You know, I, I think that's got as much to do with it as anything because you're not just hiring him for this next season. You're not just hiring him, you know, hopefully anyway. Uh, you're not just hiring him to work with KJ. I mean, hopefully he's here for a while and uh, the next guy uh, benefits from him too. So I think they'll have a good relationship and I'm sure he is excited about coaching KJ and I'm sure in the short term uh, that is one of the things he's excited about. In 2015, it Drew Morgan older guy Keon Hatcher Dominique Reed who I think just came over from Juco I don't think he maybe he was there in 2014 as well I'm trying to see think of other wide receiver core that's the biggest question mark on offense right is what they have you know, at wide receiver and I you know got some that, guys in the portal but you just don't know yet you know you got some yeah. guys with some height and some size but you just don't know can yet. they get separation we don't know you know that, and they're coming from places that while they had great statistics at some of these colleges it's, it's a lot different going up against SEC quarterbacks when you're lining up against Ricks, Stingley, some of the guys that have played in this league. Very I mean, true. you gotta you got to be a man in the line of scrimmage. People, you always hear that about offense and defense line in the trench play. When when you're mono-e-mono on a guy and you can't get separation, your quarterback doesn't have anything to do. That's what happens with coverage sacks. I don't know if these but guys But, I mean, do they it. know that. I mean, they know that. 
And uh, that's that's they that that's what they look for when they go out and sign these guys. I don't think you can compare the receiving core from 2015 to the receiving core now because it's a different offense, it's a different quarterback, it's a different everything. Um, you know, you quarterbacks aren't doing what Brandon and Austin did now. At least most of them aren't. Everybody's looking for that run pass guy, and we've got one. And so you know. Good one. Again, that, that, that position has changed since 2015. A lot of times passed since then. It's hard to believe, but I mean, it really has. The game's evolved, and that position's evolved in a hurry. And so um, I'm sure he's adapted. I'm sure he's changed. Yeah. I'd say downfield blocking may be as important as you say, getting off the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and getting separation. There's so many plays that set up where you're coming around the end with a with a sweep or a run or a quick pass behind the line of scrimmage and those lead receivers opening up those running lanes is as important as them catching that third and sixth a lot of times. Well, I think last year you saw on some of the deep plays they had, they were just busted coverage, right? I mean, you think about where Landers was in the bowl game. You had Warren Thompson. A lot of times, two years ago, it was just Burks beating a guy. They need a guy, and again, it's an All-American. They're hard to come by. They're, they're coveted all over the place, but... You, it, with KJ having the best deep ball in the SEC, and that's not a homer radio take, that's literally broken down by pro football focus the last two years, better than Bryce Young, Hooker, all these guys. It was unbelievable. I was shocked to see it every game. You've got to have a guy that's a deep threat. And you didn't necessarily have that last, last year outside of Landers at times. You've got to have a guy that, if he's in one-on-one coverage, will beat his guy because KJ's well, strength, in addition to running the football, if we're just talking about throwing it, is the deep ball. Well, tell me the teams that don't need a guy like that. But that's why the I offense. I mean, everybody was. needs a guy like that. But yeah, I, I know that. But the, the offense wasn't as good last year as it was two years ago because you didn't have that guy. But I think they know that. I mean, I think they know that. And I think they've tried to address that. We'll find out in the fall if they have. I mean, and I hear what you're saying, but how many plays in a game are you going to dial up that's more than 30 yards? The ball is in the air more than 30 yards. I understand that because you can catch the ball at the line of scrimmage and run it for 40, yeah. and that's a 40 yard pass play. But how many plays in a game? Does the ball travel more than 30 yards in the air downfield? Less than five between the two teams combined would be my guess. It's just not because it's a low percentage play. You know, that's the reason it's not dialed up a lot unless it's necessary by time and situation. You just generally don't dial those plays up. And let's not act like a touchdown off a blown coverage is a bad thing. No. Still uh, six. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. Uh, there's not. you got to block it up. What Alabama does a lot of times is they'll have in an extra blocker, so Bryce Young would have time to find Burden or some of the other guys. And you've got to run the football so the safeties creep up or you got eight men in the box or whatever the case may be. But it, it, and it, it, you're right. Like what you are saying, they know that, but they knew it last year and they didn't have it. That's that again. That was the issue. The last problem year. is you don't want the, the, your opponent to know you don't have it. Well, <laughs> I mean, if we want to replay last year, yeah, I, I mean, you're right, and that's my point. They know that, and they tried to address it, and we'll see if they have. I, I mean, you're 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 not wrong in what you're saying, but I mean, it's it's. Um, I mean, I think I think they're pretty aware of their situation. Remember, you're going to have 40-some-odd new guys on this roster versus last year. So I don't think last year matters much because half the team, at least scholarship players, are different. So I think what Chuck's saying, they've, they've kind of shelled the guys off. They can't produce and provide what they need. And they've, you know, the, what, what's the ranking on the transfer portal? I mean, they're one of the top teams in the country on – on transfer portal yeah. production. So if that pans out and all of that evaluation, which is off the field, works in your direction right now, then 
Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully they've met those those deficiencies. On three's got them in the top 10, 24-7's got them in the top 20. So, again, Chuck, you addressed this a couple weeks ago. I mean, you were just getting slaughtered in the portal. You kept telling everyone to wait until this plays out. We still got to wait because you got another cycle. Uh, but we'll at least have a better idea what the roster looks like. You, I think you said it Wednesdays. It may something the next cycle ends. Well, it's right. You know, they have a uh, shorter cycle at the end of spring practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 right around the end of April, first of May when it when it wraps up. I don't know how much activity is going to go on then. I mean, we're just going to have to see. I'm 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 not sure. You know, we're kind of you know we're in uncharted waters here. Uh, I mean, we just don't really know. And uh, I suspect there will be some out there. Obviously, you're looking for diamonds in the rough. Uh, you know, when you you know when you get to that point, but. Um, you know, part of evaluating at the end of the season is, is you know, where were we? Where were we deficient? Um, I can assure you, these guys can tell you every player's strengths and weaknesses, you know, four or five deep. <laughs> you know, they can uh, they can tell you right off the top of their head about a player we don't even know his name. So um, I think they're very well aware of what they had and what they didn't and what they feel like they need going forward, and that's what you address. And it seems like, you know, based on what we see, and and I don't believe in a lot of these rankings, frankly. Um, but you know, we'll 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 find out. I mean, look, if you may have the the twenty fifth ranked portal class, but if the best player you've got out of that portal makes a big play to win your biggest game of the year, you had a good year in the portal. I, I don't I don't care what the numbers say. So, um, you know, they've addressed what they feel like they needed to address. And, you know, the proof will be in the fall. I would imagine the vast majority of portal uh, players coming up in this last period here after spring will be players that couldn't earn a backup role. You know, won't be the people that couldn't earn a start. It would be a lot of them that, that couldn't move from three to two on the depth chart or realize that, hey, their playing time is going to be very limited. Or maybe it could be a few twos that couldn't become a one. But I imagine a lot of these guys are just simply not going to get on the field, wouldn't produce for you anyway. Maybe you can replace them with someone that can at some point down the road. Well, you know, I think we've seen it with some of our guys, and I know other schools have seen it as well. Guys enter the portal, and they think they've got it all worked out. They think they've got that new deal worked out, and they find out that they're no different than a marginal high school recruit. You can have an offer on Tuesday, and it's not there on Wednesday anymore. I mean, that's just kind of how it is now. And I'm going to be interested to see going forward. I don't know how it's going to affect this spring. But I think a lot of these guys left with the idea that the grass was going to be greener. And it's not. Some of them have moved from one brown yard to another. And, I mean, that's just kind of what's happened. And I I just wonder what it's going to be like in the spring as a result of that. And I I really wonder going forward. I, I just think that... There are so many kids in it now. Hey, if you want to get lost in the shuffle, be a, be a backup on somebody's football team and enter the transfer portal. I mean, you want to talk about getting lost in the shuffle? Um, so, you know, we'll just kind of see big picture how it goes forward. That's a, that's a long way of saying I'm not really sure how much activity we're going to see after spring yeah. practice, but I'm sure there will be some. What was it Pittman said? You went from – Third on the depth chart to 803rd on the yeah, depth chart. Yeah, that's so. just how it works. I mean, that's just how it is. So we've seen him change his approach to that, where initially it looked like if you enter the portal on the team, you weren't coming back, and then he's kind of shifted that a little bit. Is that just a player-by-player basis? How bad, oh, I I, think, how bad do you need him? 
I think we get hung up too much on what somebody said. Oh, he said this. You know, he said this a while back. So this is this is this is you know how it's going to be from this point forward. You, it's like we said about offensive coordinators. I mean, you adapt or die, mm-hmm. and uh, you better adapt. And you may not want it to be this way. What's your hard and fast rule two years ago? <laughs> it might not be a good hard and fast rule yeah. today. And what your hard and fast rule is today may not be a good one a year from now. Uh, it changes quickly right now. Nick so. Saban used to rail against the fa- up-tempo, fast-paced offense, and then he sure changes his tune yeah. on that. Wait, look at Malik Hornsby. Here's a good example of what we're talking about. You know, everyone was sure, well, maybe Malik should be the starter. Maybe he's better than KJ. Maybe this, maybe that. He enters the portal. A lot of fans listening, they, they call our show text, freaking out. We can't lose this guy. Where does he end up at? Texas State. I mean, and that, I'm not trying to take anything away from Malik, but the idea that you're going to go out in the portal and everyone, you know, from, from the Buffalo Bills down is after you, it's just not happening. I mean, and that's how you end up at at Texas State because the demand is not nearly as much as you've got in your mind. And I think that's a a good study to to think about if you're one of these players down the road contemplating the portal. Well, you know, he may go down there and get to play a lot. And if he does, then it was probably the right move for him. I see a lot of players that are um, the number two guy on a so-so team. And next year, they're going to be the number two guy on a different so-so team. And their NIL money is going to be about the same. It's going to be bare minimum. Um, You know, and they've, uh, you know, I think they're going to find that, you know, their situation's not a whole lot different at the other place than it was where you were. It kind of works out that way, and it'll be that way when they're 40 or 52. So, um, you know, maybe it's a good lesson for them. Yeah. Because you are what you are. So, a lot of guys on the move, Chuck. When you uh, when you find yourself on the move, you need a pro to help you. No doubt about it. And that's where Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, comes in. And whether you're a buyer or a seller, you know it it pays to have a pro on your side of the table. And I can tell you from experience, from partnering with Weicker Realtors, the Griffin Company, to to sell a house, to buy a house. Um, you know, none of us really know as much as we think we do about all this stuff. But when you turn it over to somebody who does, that's really when you've got a chance to get something done. And because they're trained professionals, they know how to negotiate. You know, everybody thinks they know about the real estate game. But, you know, being a great negotiator is a big part of it. It gets you more. It gets you a better deal. Sometimes it gets you from contract to close. In fact, most of the time, that's a real key. And that's where they really show their expertise. And I think you'll have the same experience. Now, they've got an office in Fayetteville. They're in Springdale, Bentonville, Fort Smith, Branson, Missouri. And you can log on to WeikerGriffin.com. So, no, Razorback fans are freaking out because Nick Smith Jr. put a pair of practice shoes or basketball shoes on. He put it on his Instagram story. I don't know, insinuating that he's back in practice. You can read the tea leaves on that. So that's kind of a basketball <laughs> thing. In addition to the fact that you're hosting Ole Miss tomorrow at 11 o'clock, we'll have the Give Me the Hogs Chuck podcast starting at 10. Chuck, tell tell our listeners a little bit about Ole Miss. I know they got their first conference win earlier this week. Yeah, they uh, they beat South Carolina on the road. South Carolina is really weird. They played their best basketball away from home. Ole Miss is not a team that's that shot the ball real well. I mean, that was their first win. And, um, I mean, you got two teams that just kind of grind it out. Arkansas is better at home in that regard. They're a little bit more, you know, a little bit more tempo. But Ole Miss has been, um, you know, they've just been so-so. 
And uh, But now, you know, they're going to throw some zone. Kermit Davis likes to play zone. They'll mix it up. Uh, Morell's a good player. They, um, you know, they, they're, they're just trying to figure it out, too. And um, in terms of overall talent, I think Arkansas has got more overall talent, quite honestly. But, um, you know, you got two teams. I mean, they both got one conference win. So I'd give the advantage to Arkansas because they're playing at home. I bet when we come out, you said yesterday you're thinking, what, a four- or five-point favorite time of the bets? I, just I got the Bet Saracen app up here. I, I don't know if the line's, line's probably not out yet on that, but I was just uh, just looking. So, yeah, I would think Arkansas will be favored by a handful of points. Yeah. Count I, them on one I, hand. I, I will say this. There's been a couple areas of improvement, positivity. I used to lost the last two games, but you have shot the ball better, better from three. You actually moved outside of the worst team in the SEC shooting to the second worst team. In the SEC, and I know that's not going to be the primary goal of this team this year is knocking down threes, but I, I think it just seeing shots go through the hoop for Jordan Walsh, who went four for four in the game on Wednesday. I mean, that, that's a big confidence booster for a freshman Chuck who was struggling. Yeah, I mean, he didn't miss a shot. He was four of four from the floor and hit a couple of threes, made his free throws. It was a big deal when he fouled out. I mean, it was a big deal when he fouled out, and. Um, you know, Walsh, Walsh had a good game, and you hope he can continue to do that. So, Musk got asked after the game about playing defense without foul, and this is always going to be a physical basketball team. You want them to be. You want them to attack the rim, be aggressive and whatnot, and you can say, well, the officials were too whistle-happy in that last game, but I, I, can you change that midseason, or is this always going to be a team that's outside the top 300 well, in fouls like they are right you now? you got to look at, I mean, some of Walsh's fouls just aren't smart defensive plays. Pinion comes in and Looks like a hockey play, hip checks. I mean, some of these fouls are just not, not solid. These aren't effort yeah. fouls. We made a good play, and you were just whistled for the foul, or you were you were defending the basket. Some of these are just not smart fouls. That's what I'd say. Just watching the game, some of they could eliminate several fouls over forty minutes just by by being a little more fundamental about it. Yeah, I, think there's I, some I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't want to suggest the other night that, you know, most of the fouls they call were fouls. Yeah. Now they got a little ticky tack out on the perimeter at times, but, um, you know, look, Arkansas is not a great shooting team and this is how great, you know, teams that aren't great shooting teams have to win. And you look around the league right now. I mean, um, you know, there, there are a few teams that play what, you know, you might call, aesthetically pleasing i mean pretty basketball the other teams i mean it's pretty rugged stuff and it's a parade to the free throw line now the bigger question and you know is 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 the game best served by a parade to the free throw line for the last five minutes of the game which is kind of what it's turned into but um that's 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 the way teams that can't shoot the ball real well it's how they win games yeah now that and that's not going away being you gotta be less handsy because you know they they drill in rule ten one four. That's that's brought up every time uh, it's discussed in the training videos. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.